John Roderick. We speak to you from our present, which we can only assume is your distant past, the turbulent time that was the early 21st century. Fearing the great cataclysm that will surely befall our civilization, we began this monumental reference of strange and obscure human knowledge. These recordings represent our attempt to compile and preserve wonders and esoterica that would otherwise be lost. So whether you're listening from an advanced civilization or have just reinvented the technology to decrypt our transmissions, this is our legacy to you. This is our time capsule. This is the Omnibus. You have accessed entry 711.EX0508, certificate number 50469. Lego minifigures. Start with one little piece and see how it grows. There's no end to Lego. We don't normally start omnibus entries with a content warning. Hmm. But I want to alert any listener now that we are probably going to use the word Legos as a plural noun. Are you aware that this infuriates some people? Really? So it's not Legos, it's Lego. Lego. You can have multiple Lego. Lego, as we will see, is a system of play that encompasses uh, an aesthetic of all things Lego-related. So an individual piece is not a Lego. It's, a, it's just a, another brick in the wall. I see. Lego is a concept, yes. not a thing. These are Lego bricks. Uh, and these are the same kind of people that will insist on putting Lego in all capitals as if they're writing a corporate press release. I see. So uh, these are Lego bricks. The item itself is a brick. The Lego is always an adjective. Well, I think it might even get more fine-grained than that. Uh, a certain kind of Lego piece, a Lego component is a brick, but there's also... Uh, Plates, that's what they call the little flat pieces. Right. There's obviously wheels and hinges and sloping roof pieces. And some of these may not count as bricks. It's especially the minifigures. They're bits. That we will get to. They're bits and bobs. They're Lego ingredients. Lego ingredients. I'm, I'm impressed that you mentioned Lego minifigures because that's got to be one of the earlier... Uh, moments in the Omnibus podcast where the actual title of this I was not trying to sneak it in. I was literally going to point out that that's a Lego component that nobody, I think, would call a brick. Right, 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 right. Although it's, I mean, it is made of components that I guess if you took it far enough apart, you could turn it into bricks. But who are these people that are so adamant about this when they are clearly Legos? They're Legos. You can see them and they are Legos. It's a plural of Lego. A thing, one of them is a Lego and multiple are Legos. You know, a lot of it is just, I think, a misguided over subservience or... or a, to some kind of corporate... Or, or over deference to a corporate style guide. Yeah. Right, right, right. Like, if you, you know, in Billund, Denmark, the world headquarters of the Lego empire... They do not say Legos. They say Lego bricks, Lego system. And that's what they would tell newspapers. Please do not refer to these as Legos. Maybe um, 
possibly for philosophical reasons that we will see also possibly maybe for copyright um, or a, a patent and trademark protection, intellectual property right. issues. They do not want to see Legos get uh, confused gen- with Lagos, Nigeria. <laughs> well, for sure. <laughs> Because when you see that travel advisory at the, right. at the TSA, you don't want to be like, wait, I can't go to Legos? But, uh, but, but, but surely but also they for, also uh, own Legos. They do, but they don't want they, – they're worried, I, I would assume. I'm not a Lego attorney, but I assume they're worried about the genericization. Right. Like, these aren't Legos. These are bricks in the Lego system. They don't want Lego to become a word for all little pr- plastic bricks. Think of the value that would be lost to their mark. I can't believe any value would be lost. Here are the people. Well, you know, it's happened before. There used to be, a, well, aspirin used to be a trade name and trampoline used to be a trade name. And But but when you think about, as someone who has played with a variety of brick building games, there is a quality that Legos have that make them. There's a reason why they cost three times as much. Yeah, they as, are the superior one and no one is ever going to mistake an imitator for. No one's ever going to go to a $600 million Megablocks movie. No. Starring Will Ferrell. No. The Megablocks movie is going straight to video. <laughs> you asked who the people are, and the quality of the of the Lego brand is something that's incredibly um, formative for them and important to their story today, as we will see. You asked who these people are who uh, would complain about such things. I find myself in t- contemporary culture asking that question all the time. Who are these people? Who has the time to complain about this? There are more Star Wars people than Lego people. Am I right? Or is that just, is it just because I see more Star Wars? What's people? a, it depends. Like, are you talking about a super fan or are you talking about 5% Lego North America estimates that 5% of all Legos, yeah. oh, fine Lego sets. Let's do it. Are sold today to a falls. Five percent are sold adult, to A-Falls. adult fans of Lego. So the vast majority are still going to kids who, oh boy, just want to build a fire truck. Right. What percentage of Star Wars fans that are on the internet telling me that <laughs> it was well known that uh, Beskar could defeat lightsabers uh, because of? a book they read in 1995. Did you not read Lando Calrissian at, at world's end? I mean, they were quoting these books to me. What percentage of, of star Wars fans are a, a falls. seems like it might be higher. Uh, it's hard to say, Yeah, you know, we, they both have the effect of, you know, these were things who, that kind of arrived in American childhood in the late 1970s. Uh, you know, Legos, of course, much older that. story, right. but uh, as far as catching on as a mass culture thing, it really builds into the late seventies and you know kind of our childhood. I mean, I was playing with Legos in the early seventies, but they had there were no kits; it was just red, white, and blue bricks. Oh, we're going to talk about that. Okay, okay. okay we're we're going to we're going to go through the chronology. Good, here. Good, but good. yes, red, white, blue, yellow, and maybe clear. That's all we had. Clear, yeah. Uh, not even black. Black Legos, not till oh, seven. Oh, I remember the first time not I saw seven. black. I, I kind of felt like they were an was, abomination. Was it like when you first saw like uh, Frank, Franklin and Peanuts? You're like, whoa. No, no, no. I always, uh, Franklin and I are about the same age. Franklin showed up in Peanuts right about when I was born, I think. I'm just implying that it's incredibly racist that Lego didn't have black pieces oh, until 1979. Well, and brown pieces too. I remember in green and all those colors. I was like, what is this? There's still a lot of discussion as to why Lego did not have green pieces until very late. And even to this day, not in proportion to to other equally useful colors. Oh, I look forward to hearing about a, all the... A, a fan theory on that account, and I don't think this has ever been sourced anywhere, is that 
uh, Lego with their kind of Scandinavian utopianism did not want people building military tanks and jeeps and planes and therefore starved us from gray uh, green pieces that we would use. But green is also grass and trees and all the things that you would think Scandinavians would want us to build. Right. I, it's a it's a double-edged sword, the color green. Ugh, Scandinavians. Have you ever been to, have you hung out with A-Falls? Have you been to the Brick Con that was always held here in Seattle every fall? So down in Tacoma, there, um, there are, I, I have visited uh, a couple of different places where adult people are building Lego structures to, um, you know, for corporate clients. So there are, there are a couple of, of that, that's like an artist studio. That's, yeah. that's what they do is they build Lego things for. Yeah. Nothing's for sale there, but if you want to buy a, a 10 foot tall statue of Liberty made out of Legos, you can contract these people to build it for you. Wow. Nothing's for sale in the store. Like you can't go in and say like, I want the, this airplane. And so that it's, would have been my dream job as a kid, by the way, oh, professional Lego builder. It's a, it's a incredible, you know, you, there's like a whole Dutch town. I mean, I, I visiting there, I was super impressed. Um, Jonathan Colton and the Joko Cruz have Lego pro builders as part of that community. Right. And there's actually a life-size Jonathan Colton there is. made out of Legos that he keeps in the living room of his summer house. Uh, that, that it was, it was on the ship. Am I wrong? It was. And, and then he, they bring it on yeah, the ship every time. But you know, you come downstairs in the morning and here's this Jonathan Colton standing there and it's exactly his size. They're same. I always it's find scary. the Lego is the wrong medium for a one-to-one sized human statue. Yeah. It's just it's, not quite detailed. It does. Enough. Yeah. It doesn't. You need it to be, it needs to be a giant Mount Rushmore size Jonathan Colton. And then I think it would convey it would look, his it essence. It would look more closely, yeah. Instead, it just looks like a giant minifigure. But I actually knew a Lego master builder who was not what you would expect at all. He was a lawyer and a motorcycle enthusiast that restored Porsches. He lives in Santa Barbara. That's exactly what I'd expect because like, how else are you going to afford enough Legos like, you know... It, right. it, it costs $300 in Legos just to build, uh, you know, the Taj Mahal or something. $600 in Legos to build the Taj Mahal. The entire downstairs of his house was floor-to-ceiling bins, you know, like slide-out bins, on three walls, and then a huge table, much bigger than the table we record Omnibus, with bins underneath it. <laughs> and every one of these bins was full you know, then they were sorted by type, right? So if you wanted a two post white flat Lego piece, there was a bin that just had those. And he could sit at this giant table. What would he make? And he just, what he was one of the people that was, um, making things that would, he was proposing things that would become kits. So he would build a land speeder and then send it off to Lego and say like, what about this? You know, we could, we could make this. Lego is now has a really tight relationship with that fan community and does put out sets that are just designed by fans. Yeah. It, it must, he must've had a million dollars worth of Legos in the basement. I have, um, I have a much smaller scale bin operation in but, my basement. But you do have a lot of Legos. They are divided by, you know, not, not as granular as your, as your guy here, but you know, here's doors and windows up here. Here's tires. Here's, you know, everything's kind of divided by type. And right as I started to get it pretty well organized, the kids kind of outgrew Legos. It infuriates me that you have all those Legos 
and won't surrender them. They just sit there in your house, and every time I drop a like, hey, surrender why don't you them. why don't you give me some of your Legos? You're like, you don't even you you, you don't even acknowledge the the wisdom of you giving me your Legos. I didn't. I don't. I think I didn't even hear this proposal that's that I right. would just give you stuff. Yeah, that's right. You're a Bernie bro of of Legos. <laughs> no, I have a nine year old. Your kids have outgrown Legos. So it, what it comes down to is it's you versus me. Well, the, this isn't about our kids. This is you hoarding Legos. Well, they, I think they are my kids. I can't give away. You know, most of them were birthday and Christmas presents to my kids. If your kids are out riding motorcycles and and uh, and smoking do you want tea. Me to, do you want me to call my kids right now and say, hey, can I give John Roderick your Legos? Yeah, let's see what happens. I don't do, think this is going to Are they going to be on a party line? Who are you going to call? Get them on the horn? I'll call my... I'll call, call my, Mindy. I'll call my son right now. Uh, the funny thing is this is, you know, I'm the second generation to deal with this because my parents tried to hoard my Legos. Did they really? They did. Hey, Dylan, I got a quick question for you. We're recording Omnibus. Uh, I'm holding it close to the mic. You're yeah, probably put, not. Put him on speakerphone. Don't, don't say Baba Booey. Put him on speakerphone so that everybody can hear how this goes down. One of us just do you not. Up. Do you not know how speakerphone works? I'm now an old person. I, I, when I was taking it away from my ear, I bumped the oh. hang-up thing. Do you want to be on speakerphone? Do you need my expertise? Is this, a, is this the only third voice that's ever been on Omnibus? I don't think we've ever had a, a guest. Hi, Dylan. Hi, John. So John has a question for you. He wants to know if you will give him all your Legos. Right now? All my Legos? John, when? Right now? Well, you know, as soon as they can be transferred. I don't know if I can give you all of them. I think I want to keep the Millennium Falcon. Wait, you're going to give John all your Legos except the Millennium Falcon? This Excuse is. Me. Oh, he has. To, I see. You want to sell them? What? Oh, he wants. He wants to sell them to me. I need fifty dollars. <laughs> all right, I will give you fifty dollars for all your Legos if you're. But I. But the the what we're testing here is whether your dad will allow this sale to go through. This is the worst antiques roadshow ever. <laughs> you were supposed to be like, no. You were supposed to defend the integrity of your Legos, Dylan. Yeah, see, exactly my point. <laughs> That's what John was saying. He's going to college. <laughs> I don't care about his Legos. I was saying, these belong to my kids. Someday they're going to want them. Because, you know... Uh, for, for my future? Sure. You Dylan, might, you're not going to want them. You're going to... Well, you think Dylan's not going to have kids or they won't like He's going to have kids and they'll have whole new Legos. They're not going to want his old his old Moonraker Legos. They're going <laughs> to they're gonna want new Legos. <laughs> Dylan has every Prince of Persia uh, Lego set that came out. <laughs> <laughs> okay thanks dylan thanks dylan you're very welcome because <laughs> you know i had to go liberate my childhood legos from my parents house did they play with them no but they just said hey uh, we you know this is grandkid leverage oh. these have always been in our house and i'm like they were in your house because like we lived in your house but they They're were not, they, they don't were, come with the house they were gifts to us oh but and they wanted it that was it was it was grand grandparent uh extortion right? pretty much and luckily, uh, they made the mistake of serving like a Mormon mission overseas, and I just went through the garage where I had heard they were, and they weren't. And then I went through the closet where I knew they were, and they were there. Stole them all back. And I took them all back, and me and my brother split them up 50-50, because they were ours. But you guys were of the Lego generation that was working from those original kits. Right. Well, I, you know, I'm old enough to remember the very first Lego set I had was something like Universal Building Set. 
Yeah. And it was, you know, a little, they still have these, you know, here's a little bit of everything in a bunch of colors. And it was not like the slightly older sets you remember where, you know, it's just a bunch of one by twos, one by fours, two by twos, two by fours in these five colors. And that was it. Make a house. It was pretty much the equivalent of those wooden block sets you give kids, except with bumps so they'd stick together. The Legos that I played with from the time I was a toddler till what I think of as like sixth grade uh, had no wheels, no joints, no, I mean, they were red, white, and blue and clear. Uh, And I remember the first, seeing the first kits and the first wheels and stuff and feeling like up until that point, every Lego fit onto every other Lego. It's a system. It's a system of play. But now all of a sudden there were Legos that only fit onto special Legos. And that felt to me like a betrayal. So you, you know, so yeah, the more specialized pieces have increased the number of kinds of things you can convey at that scale. But it's true that not every piece goes with, you know, specialization means some of these pieces only click together a certain way to make a certain kind of hinge. Yeah. And there are, there are pieces that are like, so I don't know. I, we went one day to, and this, this place closed down almost immediately after we were there. So I think it was a Coke front. I tried to go there right after you told me about it and it was gone. Uh, And it was a storefront where this guy just went on Craigslist and looked for people selling big Lego lots. And then he would buy them, wash the Legos in a lot of cases, try and get the tobacco smell out of them or whatever, you know, (laughs) these gross old Legos in grandma's basement. And then he would resell them. And he had a thing where you could, you know, you could take a, a bag of a certain size and walk around through all these bins and just fill up a bag. It was like Menchie's. Yeah. It was a toppings bar of Legos. Yeah, that's right. Uh, it was like 10 bucks for a small bag, 15 bucks for a big bag. And we went there one day and filled up all these bags and brought home all these Legos. But my daughter's mother liked the black Legos, which often are spaceship themed or you know, like Warcraft themed. Okay. What, what did she want to do with them? Who knows? She just thought they were cool because they often had paint on them, like logos and flames oh, and, right. you know, but the problem was she didn't take the time to match up the ones that are, um, not symmetrical. So a lot of those airplanes, they have a left wing and a right wing They do. and she filled up this bag and she's got a bunch of left wings and I'm like, that's what Seattle are, before you, baby? Yeah, well, that's right. I don't. I don't want a left a, a thing that's all left wings. I have that. It's all, it's all around me. The plane won't go straight unless you have a left wing and a right wing, just like the country, John. That's right. Exactly right. Both sides can. Both sides. Are you saying all lives matter? So I have all wings matter. I have a whole bin of of black Lego parts that are like. Uh, I can't, what am I supposed to do with them? I just make a plane that goes in circles. I love the idea of your daughter's mom just going nuts in a Lego store, but um, but not picking correctly. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm still mad about it because, you know, I spent extra time to make sure I got two of each. Uh, I asked about the brick convention here because it really is for these adult fans to make, to show off their ginormous builds. And some of them, it could be a Hogwarts castle that's nine feet tall. One year I saw Saruman's tower from the two towers at uh 
probably pretty close to minifigure scale. Like I went up to the ceiling. Not a thing that would ever be sold. This was a thing that was just made by a fan. Right. People accumulate their own libraries of pieces, like your friend with the million dollar Lego basement, so they can build, in some cases, the Battle of the Bulge. A lot of this seems to overlap with military stuff. And a cool thing at these brick at Lego conventions is there's all these... Um, injection molding companies or possibly 3d printing i don't know now if they're if they're finding new ways to do it that are producing the legos that lego will not you know like super accurate uh nazi submachine guns for example for right. some reason lego doesn't want its minifigures holding uh world war ii weaponry yeah how weird but third-party people will will give you all the gas masks and uh and stuff you want i've seen some of these dioramas because then they then they photograph them with like special focus where uh, the tilt shift the tilt shift where it's they're trying to make it look like a train set or look like a cityscape. They uh, my my son always laughs because they'll always have these elaborate setups, but then they'll just they'll think it's fun to just put in whatever minifigure. So it's like here's a city street. Oh, but look, Deadpool is now hanging out with uh, Gandalf or whatever. Why are they on the roof? That's crazy. Lol, grownups. There's a mariachi guy hanging out with Shrek here. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's, I tried to take my kids there and they were little at the time and the kids could not see the Lego builds because of all the, the large men, right. uh, asking all the other large men about their, uh, about their special little basement project. Yeah. You really have to put them up on your shoulders. Do you go, do you take them to, or the one at the science center, the Lego Christmas Oh yeah, thing? We went to that too. I have been to that as well. The, the the big conventions in October, and it's really worth a visit. Where where do they pandemics. have it? Seattle Center. It's oh. in the, it's under the whatever that big meeting room under the uh, ballet. I think, yeah, right on Mercer. Let me ask you. I know that one of the features of your office is a giant Lego Saturn V rocket. That's true. And the, the it's not giant. It's just the one they sell. It's giant. It's, it's bigger than most. Five feet tall. <laughs> <laughs> and the the Millennium uh, Falcon that Dylan will not sell you. Uh, I was surprised that Dylan that you let that be Dylan's because I thought that you didn't let them play with the Millennium Falcon. I thought what? no. Oh, that was his. That always. was that was. I think that was his Christmas gift last year. I mean, that's a big old Lego set. Sure, but you know we couldn't think of any kind of like fancy thing he wanted, so we got him a big Millennium Falcon. And he did not want anyone to build it but him. He. He labored over that himself. How long did he work on it? Uh, it's probably Christmas to New Year's. But uh, my question to you is, when was the last time you, when no one was around, pulled down a bin and started building Legos? You know, I get, you know, I, uh, the kids will get me a Lego set as a gift, like that Saturn V rocket. They were like, that'll like this. And, you know, we built it together over the holidays. I have not, it's been years since I've been like, you know, the fun Lego thing of childhood. And I... Here's the difference, I think. The biggest difference between today's Lego and the ones we remember is my kids will build something and they'll keep it up. Like, this is now my display Millennium Falcon or my display London bus or whatever. I'm very proud that I built this thing. Whereas we would just, uh, you know, it was just free association. Like, it was right. It was like the difference between archivist and everybody else. Like, this was a, a temporal, temporary thing. It was transitory. You would build your thing and you would have adventures in it you know you'd move the little guys through it and then you'd tear it apart and build something else i once built a sort of a london bridge style arch bridge from the couch to the lazy boy uh and i i used every lego i owned and i was so proud of this 
construction. Is this like last year? Yeah. <laughs> Still working on it. <laughs> it's uh it's it's why no one can sit in the living room. You're a kid, you're at elementary. Yeah, school. I was a kid. And and worked and worked and worked to build this thing and you know, it was however tall the bottom of a couch and the bottom of a lazy boy is, but but spanned this space. And uh I think my mom let me leave it up for 2 days. <laughs> Before she was like, we got to live here. Knowing your mom, like that for her, that's a big, yeah. you know, that's like another mom giving you a month. Like that was nice of her. Yeah. She was like, got to, you know, like, are you done? Like, have you, have you gotten what you, and I, and I insisted that she take my picture with it. But then, yeah, it all got crumbled up and put back into a bin. A lot of things about the Lego aesthetic can be explained by its Danish roots. It's an extremely Scandinavian toy. Hmm. The story begins with Ole Kirk Christiansen. I'm probably saying that wrong. No, that's right. Only Kirk Christians. Who ran a joinery. He was a woodworker in 1920s Billund, Denmark. And back, you know, a little bit of everything woodworking wise, uh, doors, windows, cabinets. Uh, that's pretty much everything. Storage chests, coffins. Oh yeah. Uh, you know, if it involved joining two pieces of wood together, he would do it. And he eventually expanded to even, you know, architecture, farmhouses and carts and carts, uh, and the so famous uh, product of architecture. Well, cart architecture. Cart architecture. I'm just saying stuff that got bigger than uh, than uh, coffins. Uh, his life was marked by tragedy. The Lego website, for some reason, goes to great pains to point out that in 1924, his children burned down his house. <laughs> he was <laughs> on purpose. He, I don't think so. He was taking a nap, and they were cold, and they decided uh, to just light Set some, it on fire. To light some glue on fire, and the glue caught the house on fire. That you know, whatever he saved in in heating coal, <laughs> despite it ended up costing him twice. So, despite the fact that he probably hated his children, he became he you know he gave childhood a great gift. Uh, in 1932, the real tragedy was his his wife uh, died of phlebitis or something, oh. leaving him with four kids. I think ranging between six and fifteen. Four pyromaniac kids. Yeah, four four little boys who were going to wish him away to the cornfield and and <laughs> burn down his house. Uh, but his business was doing. Well, at the time, uh, even after his house burned down, he just built like the nicest stone building in town with the only sidewalk in town. And, uh, you know, that kind of became the center of his new building architectural empire. Was his first house made of straw? <laughs> I think I see the problem here. <laughs> uh, also, I think this is also on the Lego website for some reason. Uh, his famous sense of humor is recorded by him once telling an employee, we're not going to need you any longer. And the employee just breaks down at the thought of being fired. And he says, oh, no, no. I mean, you're tall enough. We don't need you any longer than this. Oh, that's the great Danish sense of humor. Can you imagine hearing that from, from your boss? What a fun what a fun day at the office. What Did he really intend to fire the person and then couldn't stand seeing them cry? No, I think it was just his quirky, uh, his delightful, dry sense of humor yeah. that for some reason, Lego.com still thinks we should, uh, yeah. we should celebrate today. <laughs> that's why the Danes are renowned globally for, for their comedy styling. Uh, he started to get into toys. Uh, because of the Great Depression, nor Danish farmers no longer had markets for their livestock and their pigs and whatnot, and his area sank into poverty, work dried up, and he saw an opening because toys were not well made. Hmm. Toys were never... Um, there was there was no really design or, or rhyme or reason to how toys were designed and marketed and sold. It was just... Here's some dumb thing that maybe we can fool kids into buying, and when it falls apart, 
they'll make another one. It's so funny because the mythology, particularly like the the affluent liberal parent mythology of would Danish toys from the 30s would have it that they were all beautifully handcrafted and I think the like Waldorf school Montessori right. theory let's is go, that let's go touch some wooden yeah, trains. These are these are how kids truly learn and this is the you know this is the natural state of play. I wonder if there was an exception where because kids are so easily fooled, they still just got disposable crap, even in an age of better craftsmanship. Or it could just be this is this flatters Christiansen to tell the story this way. Right. He saw lousy toys and he thought, not me, I'm an artisan. So he he started to design his own little toys with the same care that he gave to his his furniture and other stuff that that his he had his he had his guys building. Um, Did he, he make them fireproof? It seems what? like he should have learned. <laughs> well, he used beech wood that he would like air dry for two weeks and then oh. kiln dry for three weeks. And then, they, you know, they'd be joined in the same way and everything would have three layers of paint. And I guess at one point he saw one of his men putting out a shelf full of toys and he said, what's wrong with this? And the guy's like, I figured out how to save us, uh, you know, half a kroner on these. Uh, it's only two coats of paint. And, you know, Chris Jensen just went ballistic on the guy. No, that's not how we do things. I'm just putting on the second coat of paint now, Mr. McFly. Was that the was that the same guy that he that he yeah. pulled the like uh He only had one employee who just had a series of tra- traumatizing <laughs> run-ins. You won't be him. here any longer. Uh so he made, you know, beechwood toys and kind of started to build an empire on that that got them through the depression. There was a beechwood shortage in World War II because all of, you know, Europe's not big on giant forests and wood was going to the war effort. So he invested in an injection molding machine and started making things out of these brand new plastics, uh, cellulose acetate. Oh, there wasn't a plastic shortage during the war? It seems like there was an everything shortage. It's weird. Yeah, it's interesting that the – maybe, I mean, maybe the kind of plastic you would need was uh, – maybe the military uses were not widespread. I mean, this is pretty early, you know? Like, the first industrial uses of plastic, I mean, that's that's just starting to catch on in the – in the 30s, right? Right. Well, you're using using protoplastics. Yeah. Like bakelite. Yeah. It, and that's essentially what this is. It's kind of, it's celluloid essentially, uh-huh. I think. Um and he starts making toys out of plastic, but with still with, you know, even though, you know, today we associate plastic with cheap imported crap. But I guess back then this kind of would have been cool space age and it would have had some of the same durability and right, uh, right. and quality that he would have associated with his finely sanded wooden toys. He was using kiln-dried plastic. <laughs> That's right. First, it's like Johnny Walker, charcoal-aged plastics. And uh, apparently he became aware, I think at a toy fair, of a, of a British toy that a company called Kittycraft had patented called Interlocking Building Cubes. We'll see. I see the problem right there. It doesn't really roll off the tongue. Interlocking building cubes, IBC. Isn't IBC like one of the biggest banks in the world? I thought it was like uh, when you just can't control your pooping. Oh, right. You're, you, have, you have IBC. You know, life can be stressful even under normal circumstances. But 2021 looks like it's not going to be that much easier than 2020 was. And You and I both need stress relief that goes beyond quick fixes. That's why I've been really thinking about Headspace. Headspace is an app that's like a daily dose of mindfulness 
that takes the form of guided meditations within an easy-to-use phone app. It's the only meditation app that advances the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace can help you feel better. Now, I've been fairly overwhelmed lately, and I really want to try this three-minute SOS meditation that they offer. I've been having a lot of trouble falling asleep, and they have wind-down sessions that can help you relax and get that much-needed extra bit of Zs. So I'm astonished that Headspace is backed by 25 published studies, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. I want to feel happier, and I think those of you that share that desire with me, we should all go over and try Headspace at headspace.com slash omnibus. They're offering us, futurelings, a free one-month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. So I think this is the best deal offered right now, and I'm going to head on over, and why don't you join me at headspace.com slash omnibus today. If you look at a picture of these kitty craft bricks today, which an inventor named Hillary Page did have a series of patents for, they are basically Legos. They Really? Yes. They what are, are they called? Kitty craft, K-I-D-D-I-C-R-A-F-T bricks. Uh, they're in primary colors. They're little two-by-two two bricks with the studs on top. Um, they have slits down the middle so you can kind of insert, you know, other kinds of flat pieces for decorative effect. Uh and inspired by these, the Lego website says he redesigned them in 1949 into his own version, automatic binding bricks. Wait a minute. Or they're, his designers they're, they're, uh, he didn't redesign them. They're, the, they're Legos. Basically, yes. Basically, they're the same thing. Wow. And the Lego, the Lego retelling of it has them reaching out to the British company and saying, hey, uh, we have a stud-based thing, you know, building blocks that now stick together. Because, you know, kids, people had been buying their kids building blocks for years. The genius of these is that like erector sets and tinker toys and other toys of the period, there's a way to kind of stick them together more permanently. Uh, uh, well, I'm no, you, you've you've blown my mind here. The, uh, these Hillary Page designed building blocks. It's like you just it's like you just showed me, uh, it, like you just showed me the Ruddles, except <laughs> it was 1958. It's like Hydrox coming out before Oreo. Yeah. Uh, it's, you know, it's, a, again, it's a very kind of benevolent whitewashed version of it in the Lego corporate story about how they reached out and said, Hey, we love your bricks. We're going to do our own vision. And Kitty Craft was so enthusiastic about spreading the gospel of, uh, of automatic binding bricks that nobody sued anybody. Really? This is like the, this is the fidget spinner story where the, 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 the lady that invented this fidget spinner is just happy that that so many kids got to play with them. Is and that true? She didn't copyright it. Or, she got hosed and yeah, she, I think she's still, she's working at a, at a glue factory. Just like the sock vaccine, except even more inspiring. Yeah. She gave the world. She believes in fidget spinners. She believes that the children are our future. Uh, well, you don't believe in that. You're trying to take my kids Legos. That's right. Well, I believe my child is the future. So these come out in the late forties by 1951. They have not caught Denmark by storm. Uh, he, he has renamed his company leg goat for the Danish for to play well. 
the mm-hmm. idea that you know you, you're we're giving your kids quality mm-hmm. and uh, i guess he flirts with legio with an extra i like latin for many you know like legion right Ooh, that's freaky freaky but, scary oh right because it's a it's a devil yeah right but no he goes with a uh, leg go kind of creating a new a new word um, in 1951, even though these automatic binding bricks have hit the shelves, their top selling toy is still a little plastic tractor. And, uh, and this is when he goes to a toy exhibition and notices, you know, to- it's not the problem for earlier toys not being well made, but, uh, but there's just no attempt to give kids any kind of experience. There's no kind of unified philosophy behind any company's toys. Right. And that's when he comes up with the the founding ethic of of what we think of as Lego today, which is that it's a system of play. So it's not just bits and bobs. You're not selling somebody a tractor. There's a concept. And this is not unusual to us today because it was such a marketing success that that's how all toys are sold today. You need to get all these Maxbox cars. You need to get all these uh, Star Wars action figures and they'll all be at the same scale and you can play with them together. Was there a concept beyond gotta catch them all? Was there more of a theory of play involved in it? Or was it just, um, you never, you're not going to buy this toy once you're going to buy this toy over and over. It seemed to me, I mean, again, this is in the corporate retelling of it, that it's not just a marketing strategy. Like now we can get them hooked. It really is more like what will, what will continue to challenge kids? What will grow with them? what will be more you know, flexible enough to inspire imagination, um, but structured enough so they learn rules and kind of methodical thought and problem solving, you know, all these things together. And, you know, at first, as you say, it's, it's just a series of little bricks. Right. And, uh, and one of the problems of Lego is that it, doesn't very well interact with other toys. Because of the studs, you cannot have your Star Wars action figures have Lego adventures. This is something I learned as a kid. Right. Um, but maybe that's good. You know, it, it just makes you want more Legos. Lego never made things that would snap onto the top, but that were smooth. Did that bother you? No, but if they had if they it, had done that one thing, it did bother me. That it you, did that? Yeah, your your GI Joes or whatever could not walk on these bumpy surfaces. This did not look like a floor or a spaceship hull. Yeah, if they had just made that additional, and I mean, I, eventually they did, right? Smooth topped, but they didn't make a ton of them. It's not it's not one of the major things. When I was a kid, they were just little one by two of one those, by twos, and they yeah. were never used. I mean, they were only used where things had to slide. You know, you wanted a, a door to open or something. Right. Uh, it was very functional, and it. It's only recently that they've, um, you know, they walk a tricky line. Their aesthetic is, what if everything in the world had little bumps from London Bridge to the space shuttle to Indiana Jones's, to the Ghostbusters car, basically, you know? Um, And you just kind of, they go away. When you see the Lego version of something, you expect the studs and... Your mind makes them... You almost don't see them or it it becomes a cute addition, you know? Ah, it's it's not a photorealistic... Back to the Future DeLorean, because it's got the telltale little Lego bumps. But yeah, that it, it would seem if they were trying to make a product that had a philosophy, a larger philosophy of play, that they would have made like a road surface, at least, that you could drive a car on. I mean, that was the thing that that aggravated me, I guess. You'd build a whole world 
You couldn't drive a matchbox car. By the late 70s, there were base plates that had a smooth road. Oh, I remember those. So only the road side had, still had the studs on yeah, top. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you're right. And, you know, the studs didn't actually fit together that well. They were just like the, the British bricks they ripped off. There were no tubes. The thing about a Lego is it's got studs on top, tubes, tubes in the bottom, the and the tubes fit in the, the negative space of the studs. Right. And gives you that very firm lock to the degree that some tests have shown that you can attach and reattach a Lego a thousand, thousands of times before you get loosening. If you've ever played with a cheapo version of them, the lack of tubes is extremely frustrating. Or just, you know, lower quality plastic or something whereby the, the fit ceases to become locked lock tight the longer you play with it. Right. Um, and I can tell the Legos from my childhood that I liberated uh, from the closet, you know, I can tell the difference between them and my kids' new ones. Just because they've been played with so much, there is a little bit of wear on the stud tube grip, and it's not quite as tight. Oh, is that right? Yeah. I thought you were going to say that the quality of the plastic was higher in the, in the 70s no, and 80s. You no, know, they've maintained amazing quality, and, and that, that's kind of their brand. You're going to pay more for these, but guess what? Like, it's, it's really good, and I guess it's kind of heartening that People, I guess, you know, at least people who can afford it still recognize that and are like, no, wait, this does, in a Waldorf school way, this does feel better in my hands. Is this show sponsored by Lego and are we going to get big Lego sets as uh, in payment? Uh, no, but Aww. yes. To the second question, I hope so. Oh, right. This is where you start asking people to send in all your, instead of your your yeah. dad's uh, suspender, send in your college kids Legos. That's right. If you If you are... Cleaning out your house because you're Marie Kondoing it in uh, in quarantine time. Send me your old Legos. But at first it was a, you know, this guy came from designing farmhouses and it was just architecture. You know, here's a bunch of things you can stack up to make. Uh, you know, even when there were sets, the sets were like small house. Yeah. Gas station. Um, in the 50s, when they started to branch out from just square bricks, it was things you would need to make your small house better. Trees, windows, lights, flags, sloping tiles for a roof. Um, it wasn't until 1962 that there was a Lego wheel. I never got the wheels. My mom obviously skimped on... Wait. There were, by the 70s, there were tons of American Lego toys that had both the big and the small wheels. You never had the wheels? No, I didn't mm. get the wheels. Maybe. I think I think I got just the basic, ba- most basic set of bo- of blocks. I didn't realize I'm the only one on this show whose parents loved them. That's a bummer. The, the, wheels, the wheels were for rich kids. Your mom was like, nope. Lego wheels don't exist. Make your own wheels. That's what she said. <laughs> I never got wheels. 67 hinges. As I said, 74. You know, it was all red, white, blue, and yellow until 74 when there were finally black pieces. Uh, that does make it seem like it's some amazing civil rights uh, barrier <laughs> came down. Finally, Lego has black pieces. What a day. <laughs> but one thing there, one thing, the thing just, it was still just, you'd build a little gas station and then, oh boy, you could either look at your gas station or you could take it apart and use those pieces to make a, a phone, a, a phone booth, a slightly different gas station, right. a, a combat gas station, a police station. <laughs> yeah. You know, there was no role play because Lego was still a impersonal character free world. Minifigures we think of today as just kind of the core of the Lego experience, the big personality on the movie poster. Uh, you know, for the first almost yeah thirty years of Lego being a toy, it was an empty post-apocalyptic world of no people. Now, what did you do? Did you populate your Lego environments with 
people? By the time I was playing with Lego, it was 1974, and the first primitive er Lego humans appeared. It was not minifigures. Uh, it was these larger, probably about twice as tall as a minifigure. The, you could buy a set that was the Lego family, and it had these specialized pieces, uh, round heads that would snap into a neck piece that also had um, little hinges on the side so you could attach these snake-like arms. And then some wig or hat to go on the head. And then you would just build a body out of Lego. It would just be a stack of two-by-twos. If you wanted mom to have a skirt, you could put two uh, sloped sloped roof pieces on. Did you never have these? No. So was your Lego world just no people, or did you try to have your G.I. Joes go in there? I I tried to have... Well, so I also had uh, Play School, but then Playmobil, and all of those things kind of... Playmobil always bugged me because it was like Lego that you couldn't really build with. Yeah. It was like Lego that came pre-built, and you you would just lose the props. Um, But I... uh, what, What were the ones... I guess... I guess play school had little figures. I mean, their are their knees and elbows didn't bend. Are you talking about those little like Fisher Price uh, guys that are just like essentially pegs? No, no, the the Fisher Price guys that were. Um, oh yeah, I can picture play school figures that were. I see a picture. We carpenters had these. and we have these. Yes, uh, but you know, uh, firemen. They, they were all carpenters. They were f- different they, different types of carpenters. They were macho men. But oh, wait. Yeah, it's, it does look like YMCA, yeah. These guys, I, I'm not talking about, so I did have the little people when I was little. I'm not the, but those Fisher-Price ones don't even have arms and legs. Those are, those are just monstrosities. Right, they're the, they're the ones on the cover of the, uh. Thalidomide? Uh, no, on, on the cover of the, uh, Sunny Day Real Estate album. <laughs> yes. No, Play, Play School has little arms and legs. Not fully articulable. It looks like the arms are legs are legs are just kind of a a bottom heavy stump, so they'll sit where you put them. No, what am I thinking of? Yeah, Playmobil had movable. Playmobil is a very similar uh, aesthetic, but the legs are, and arms are both movable, and they're taller. They're more human proportioned, so they can be pirates and and they also have the same. I associate them with Lego because of the same kind of European vibe to them. Like often they're wearing little ascots or. Something you gotta have. You gotta have ascots. <laughs> uh, but roleplay was totally missing. There was a Lego designer named Jens Nygaard Knudsen that was pitching. We gotta have people, and the Lego family was the first attempt. Uh, and then Knudsen introduced. I don't know why internally Lego calls them the extra. They also call them the pillar of salt, which is funny Uh-oh. to me. It's, Sodom and Gomorrah reference. They look like little unfinished minifigures. Like if, um, I don't know, like they, like they escaped from the factory too early or whatever. They have the round yellow heads, but no faces. They, they have the torso, but no moving arms. Like they have their shoulders kind of turn into little arms that kind of disappear into their waists. Um, I believe they don't have legs. You just put them on a little one by two piece, or maybe, maybe they did have a slightly tapered, one by two piece that looked more like legs and feet. So they're the size. It's like the, uh, the placeholder slug for a minifigure, but the arms and legs don't move and there's no face. It was like, what if, you know, now you can kind of pose people in your model, but 
they don't invite you to have adventures with them. I, 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 I've always been confused about this because I, I'm not sure. I, I mean, I always thought of Legos as a architecture tool. That's what they were too. And so I don't think I, I don't think I thought there should be people in here that I wanted people in this universe any more than I wanted people in a, in a tinker toy universe. Right. right, like there weren't any Tinker Toy people. Yeah, nobody would suggest, hey, how come this Erector set doesn't have a bunch of little guys to bunch play A bunch of little it? metal dudes. So yeah. I'm not sure what, whether it's, I mean, I guess, I guess as soon as you started to have kits that were like the space shuttle. Or if this is a gas station, should there be an attendant at the pumps? If this is the police station, should there, and you know, and there's a police car with it. Right. Why can't we put anyone in the car? Right, right, right. But you're right. But in hindsight, in, in hindsight, it's obvious that this should be character centered. But at the time, it's just, you're absolutely right. It's just like Tinker Toys. Right. There's no erector set man. Why should there unless be? Unless you make one. Why should there be a face of these? And, and, and there's the funny, it's a kind of a Scandinavian severity. No, children will want these to build nice suburban homes. You know, like this is a. This is a, a a modern, efficient plastic toy that you use to build mid century modern homes. You use for urban planning, yeah, that's basically, right. yeah, and uh, and that's what all the sets are. Here's the house. Here's the police station. Here is town hall. Here is the gas station for the car that goes in the house. My major complaint, I think, also at the time was that there were no forty five degree angle pieces. So if you wanted to do a vault or a ramp, um. There wasn't a way to connect an angle. The thing is, you weren't wrong because they later developed, you know, now there's pieces that will give you, there's, you know, four or five different options you could use if you wanted a, a ramp for your motorcycle or whatever, you right. know? Um, and because they, that's what kids wanted to do. But I think a lot of that might follow the role playing innovation of minifigures. Right. Like now, now that you don't just finish it and look at it. Now that there's little people in there, you're going to want to do stuff. And then now there's limitations. Like, why, why can't I make a ramp that my guy can ride over? Um, why can't he hold stuff? Right. Um, why don't mommy and daddy love each other anymore? <laughs> why, why does daddy give me better Legos at his house than mommy does at her house? <laughs> did, you, did, did you transition to playing with Lego figures? I did. It was The age is almost exactly right for me. Again, there's a, this little gap between us, whereas... which pretty much means you got crappy Legos yeah, and I got some sweet ass Legos. Yeah. By the time these Legos came out, I was already playing with guns. <laughs> well, that was Alaska. <laughs> you were, you were landing your first plane at 13. Yeah. Uh, in 1978, uh, Mr. Knutson, the designer of these kind of weird pillar of salt figures gets them right. Now the yellow head has an attractive, has a friendly smiling face, kind of a, in a minimal seventies, have a nice day way. Right. That's right. Two dots on a little, uh, uh, pleasing curve. Uh, there are now little yellow hands that can actually hold things. The legs move. So your guy can be in motion if you want. Most importantly, they, the knees don't bend, but they bend at the waist. So he can now sit down on a chair. Right. He can sit down in a car or a plane or a spaceship. And he or she, Lego, also has places in their butt that you can snap them to a Lego seat, right? Yes, although I don't think I ever noticed that as a kid. It took me years to figure out that, like, the ingenuity of this system whereby I don't think I ever even realized, or it took me years to realize because I was five, 
that if you stacked up three of the little flat plates, you'd get the height of one brick. Yeah. And that gave you a ton of flexibility. That seems like a Ken Jennings thing that you would have figured out. Well, I did, you know, at at six, but after, you know, fixating on Legos for, for months, I was like, wait a second. If I do this, then I then then it will actually connect and not be or that you can or that you can stand up a plate sideways between two studs. You know, like say again, you can the width the width of a Lego plate, one of those flat places, one of the flat pieces, uh, is exactly the width between two studs. What? See, I'm I'm blowing (laughs) your mind already. It is. (laughs) Uh, A minifigure, many people don't know, is exactly the height of four Lego bricks. Um, Oh, I didn't know that either. It's close to, well, so here's, so yeah, so and the minifigures have the holes on the butts. Um, at first, they all had hats. I remember. Because they all had jobs. The very first one was a policeman. Sure. Um, policeman, fireman, all the macho jobs. Exactly. And I think it wasn't maybe until the first female Lego that they realized. She needed if, hair. If it's a lady cop, as we called them then, <laughs> or lady chef or whatever, or firefighter, they would just look you know, they, they were sexless, you know, like the only way to specify to indicate secondary sexual characteristics with a Lego until the princess Leia slave girl one came out is uh, hair is hair. So little form fitting wigs for both men and women appeared in 79 after a year of hats only in the, in the mid seventies, you know, back when my dad had hit in the old days, right. You had a, you had a barber, you had a banker, you had a doctor, you had a, your lawyer. I mean, you knew all these people by name mm-hmm. and they were your practitioner. Mm-hmm. Our carpenter who did all the work on our, all the carpentry work on our house was a lady and she was referred to as lady carpenter. <laughs> I, I need to call lady carpenter and get her over here to <laughs> not even an article, just, just lady carpenter. Lady carpenter was, was, uh, and I think L was capitalized and C was capitalized. It sounds like a Mr. Rogers character. Yeah, I need to get lady carpenter over here and fix this shelf. <laughs> she was over all the time. Had a lot of carpentry work. Uh, the Lego scale was chosen to be. I mean, it's very close to O scale railroad stuff, which would be one to forty-eight. Right. I think that's another thing I didn't know that that Lego and O scale trains could interact. Well, I mean, can they? It, it, that's an approximation of of uh, of reality. You know, right. uh, it's tricky. O scale is pretty much exactly one to forty-eight, and that makes the math easy. A uh, quarter of an inch to. Wait, am I doing that right? Yes. But Legos would be in metric. One to 48. Did I get the math right? Yeah. Well, yeah. So a quarter of an inch is a foot. Yes, that's right. Um, I don't know if Lego really was in, would have been in metric at the time. Maybe. I mean, that's that's when old school people would have been transitioning over, I guess. Um, because minifigures are wider than a person... Uh, the scale is somewhat in debate. In height, it's about 1 to 45, which is what you care about for doorways and ceilings in your Lego creations. Right. In width, it's closer to 1 to 32, just because Lego minifigures tend to be thick. They're, thick and small. They're both thick and small. Yeah. Most things are not, but Lego minifigures are. <laughs> um the complexity of the minifigure did kind of change. You can see why the resistance to it, you know, Lego bricks are, are easy enough to injection mold. These, uh, minifigures are more expensive to produce. You had to paint the smile on. Right. Um, 
even today, they are the most expensive pieces, and that's not just to gouge collectors, although, as we'll see, there is some of that. And they're, they're not symmetrical in all directions. There's a front and a back. There's, there's a, a front and a back. Around. And, you know, even at first, I think at, for the original ones, the uh, printing on the chest was a decal. You know, your, the yeah. buttons on your shirt or your policeman's badge would be a decal. And my mine are t- very much torn up because those pieces got a lot of play. Right. Um, today, that's printed on... And it's even more elaborate today. Some Lego minifigures today have stuff printed on the sides of the arms, the sides of the legs, the back. Sometimes uh, starting in the 90s at some point, the head had a face on the front and the back. So I remember you could have that. Two different expressions. Yeah, that was freaky. Happy face, sad face. It was like it was like a Batman character. At first in 78, it was just uh, the minifigures were fairly simple. It was either town, so like a policeman or fireman. There was space. You got your astronauts. And there was castle. It would be knights. And those were the three kinds there were. That's the three kinds of life. The three kinds of people. Town, space, the, castle. That's the three Back to the Future movies, yeah? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I guess they never had space or castle. Uh, the big game changer happened in 1999 when the first Lego Star Wars sets were released. Uh... And suddenly it was not just fireman, knight, and pirate. It was characters you already had an emotional attachment with and how cute now to see them in minifigure form. When did the the new prequels come out? 97? 97 is uh, Phantom Menace, I believe. So 99, they were they were riding that train high on cocaine. And uh Funko Pop, the company that now produces cutesy versions of all your pop culture favorites and started I think in Linwood. Uh Oh, it's a Seattle company? Well, now they're in Everett, but I believe they were right by Alderwood Mall when they started out. Funko Pop. Funko Pop, local uh, contributor and, and creator of this new, maybe juvenile, uh, infantilizing, cute aesthetic where you need to have a, a cute, pudgy-looking uh, Robocop hanging out with your cute, pudgy-looking Sheldon from Big Bang. Is your Alexa now called cute, pudgy-looking? <laughs> I'm really confused. <laughs> What's happening over there? Shut up, thing! But this follows this follows the minifigure innovation. I think Star Wars or the Star Wars Lego set kind of gave us that that you are going to want cute childlike versions of all your pop culture favorites. So did Funko uh and I'm I'm seeing now that it's Funko, but let's call it Funko. The K makes you say Funko. Uh was it did they license it from Lego or did they just independently come up with Star Wars Lego and I think they licensed from Lucasfilm. But the oh. But Lego also. No. I, oh. but I, I'm just saying Lego created the this aesthetic where, you know, before you would want this realistic model of Han Solo. But what if you had kind of a cute chubby one with little arms and legs? Right, right. Um, and that, that's kind of come to dominate a lot of fan culture. It has, know? right? All the little figurines that aren't even Legos. And it just infiltrated like- back into the source properties with things like Baby Yoda and the Porgs. You know, like the, that's kind of taking the minifigure aesthetic and putting it back into the mothership. Oh, weird. Um, one of the things that... Ha- oh, and then in 2002, Star Wars gave us the other innovation, the first minifigure that was not full height. Yoda cannot be the same height as Luke Skywalker. Sure. So, they, so it's they put a half the, height. They put those little legs on him, and as a result, he's maybe Yoda's two-thirds of the height of... Lego Yoda's maybe two-thirds of the height of Lego Chewbacca. You were saying that Slave Leia was the first Star Wars Lego? No, I was just saying... Oh. She was the maybe the first. Uh, is the is she the first minifigure with drawn on breasts? Oh, I see. I see. She like, may well be. I don't know. Um, 
you know, because before it was just you, you would put a uh, a molded Mary Tyler Moore hair on your. Oh well, the Lego first mom. Lego that had officially drawn on breasts. <laughs> right, and I'm sure in your house there, there was, was there were a lot of home home uh, home craft projects, little uh, basement mods. What do you think about the shirts this month, John? That you, we have we have available on on uh, omnibusproject.com/store. Thanks to our friends at Mediocrity. I love the fact that we are doing shirts every month. I think our shirt designs are really incredible. I kind of want to solicit uh, shirt designs from the more artistically inclined futurelings. The shirt designs that we are making are, I mean, I would be proud to wear them to a wedding or a funeral. Would you wear this black um, Nagel uh, pastiche of you and I? That Nagel thing is so cool. I would wear that to the presidential inauguration if I'd been invited. My hair is dark in it because Nagel never drew blondes. Oh, right. Uh, and I really, I don't know what the, what what is the effect? I look like um, the kid catcher or something from Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. <laughs> Just a fantastic Great shirt. reference. All the 80s, um, the font and the little Miami Vice stripes in the corner. It, it, it turned out great. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think everything should be nagelized, including the King James Bible, <laughs> and uh, we can we can start uh, we can start with omnibus being completely nagelized. You you want it to be? You think it should be literary works should be nagelized? Yes, yeah, I think that the story should be told in nagel posters from hair salons. I think it should still be written text, but it should just be um, with a much more nagel sensibility. Like, and and Jacob went up to Rebecca who uh-huh. had pale skin and was scowling and pouting a little bit. Lots of eyeshadow. <laughs> or it could be an illuminated manuscript instead, but yeah. instead of, you know, very florid first letters, it could be, you know, like one of the members of Duran Duran. The other shirt is modeled on generic food of the 70s. This is funny. At the bottom, it's you know, it says Omnibus Podcast, but it's like a generic podcast shirt. And it has a barcode. It has a barcode, which... Um, some people have found out what the barcode is a barcode to, and I thought that was a funny little Easter egg. I oh, encourage you well, to— Well, we won't, we won't tell what I'll it is. I'll leave that as an exercise to the listener. Good. It says serving size 29 to 90 minutes twice per week. Oh, that's that, it. That means we used to record 29-minute shows. We have never done a 29-minute show. Is that possible? What could be the shortest show? I, it must have been very early. Yeah. Uh, we, we certainly don't do that anymore. It's probably Starlings or, or Defenestration. 90 minutes also would be a bit much. Too much. We try not to do that, but we do get close. Uh, yeah. So really, this um, packaging is making no promises about what you might get inside, but it's a fantastic looking shirt. Yeah. Avail yourselves of these t-shirts. They uh, they are things that we're having fun making and they help us make the show uh, by buying them and supporting them. There are a lot of ways you can support the show, our Patreon account and buying our merch, uh, all all uh, help us a great deal. The rotating shirts are from our friends at Mediocrity. We also have kind of all-purpose omnibus and futurelings, hats and mugs and hoodies and whatnot. You can see all of the above by checking out omnibusproject.com slash store. I'm sure the, the, the futurelings are, if they're not already, uh, planning actual meat space meetups as soon as the pandemic is over. And uh, having one of these t-shirts will let you be readily identifiable at the trivia night at your local pub where you and other futurelings congregate. Lego is very proud of, in, in its history, it talks about how it, it uh, you know, just the yellow and the smiley faces um, 
completely neutral. It's uh, all races, colors, and creeds are represented. As long as you're yellow and smiling. Well, that's the thing. I mean, as soon as Lego actually had to have a diversity of races, it's very clear that yellow is not a gender or a, a racially neutral color. It really suggests Caucasianness. Right. It's a. It's like emoji. Yeah, uh, this is this is the default color. Weird. It's closer to white skin, <laughs> just like flesh-colored uh-huh. band-aids. You right. know, uh, and that became very clear in 2003 when Lego first re- uh, released a set of because the Star Wars licensing was such a hit that this became kind of the way forward for the company to appeal to kids. You're no longer g- just going to build helicopter or uh, auto garage. Right. You're going to build the helicopter from Roy Scheider property, <laughs> Blue Thunder. <laughs> but that, there were a lot of those, you know, that where the Lego eagerly licensed the thing and then it didn't pan out. Right. But, but uh, now they're kind of doing it in a nostalgia way. You know, you, you can build something that was popular 50 years ago. Finally, you can make Bonds, Aston Martin or... The Ghostbusters hearse. Right. I can't wait for my my uh, one 200 scale, or no, my one 100 scale HMS Titanic kit to arrive. I can't believe there isn't a Titanic yet. Ships have always been tricky for Lego because you, you can't really build the hull. They do, there are Lego ships, I guess, maybe for playing in the bath, but basically you have to put your whole thing on top of a big pre-made empty oh, hull right. that will float in water. Um, but in 2003, when this basketball set came out, you know, you can't have... Le- I don't know who was in this set. You can't have LeBron and Steve Nash LA Lakers, be the fast same break color. Fakers. I guess in 2003 it was not LeBron. You can't have Kobe and uh, and uh, Dirk Nowitzki be the same or color. Sean Kemp. Or Sean Penn. Or Sean, Sean Penn, famous ba- basketball player. You can't have Sean Penn and Sean Kemp be the same color. Sean Kemp wasn't playing basketball in 2003, though. I'm, no. I, I'm, this is a 1993 head I'm wearing. Yeah, when you try to think of a recent <laughs> basketball player, you get Gary I'm like, Payton. I'm like, Gary Payton? No, uh, <laughs> Bird. <laughs> As soon as Seattle lost the Sonics, <laughs> basketball ended for you. And so at that point, they could no longer pretend that yellow was a color for all the races. because right. uh, A so, yellow Sean Kemp isn't going to fly. So the 2003 basketball set was the first one where there were Lego minifigures of color. Uh, and I think maybe in that set, the white players were still yellow. So it really is a, an right. admission that, yeah, <laughs> everybody had been white for 30 years. <laughs> and And... Looking back, I mean, at the at the time, it's like, oh, hooray, finally. But looking back, it's like, wow, the first yep. Legos of color were basketball players. 2003, and it was like wow. Kobe Bryant. Oh, interesting. Um, and from, I think, 2004 on, all the licensed properties became flesh-toned. I think in, anticip- in, in recognition of this problem. I see. So, you know, in your Lego town universe or, or your pirate universe – it can still be yellow, and we'll pretend that represents all the peoples of the earth. But when it has to be anybody specific, Harry Potter is going to be flesh colored. Right. Hermione is going to be J- flesh colored. But Mace Windu is going to be the color of uh, of the brown. Your brown Legos. I get it. Uh, and at first, that happened as well with the smile. You know, for the longest time, it was just a smile. Today, Lego minifigures, of which there are now eight thousand, no way, and growing by the minute. Uh, they express 628 different emotions, according to a, a clinical psychologist who studied them. No kidding. Um, you'd think there wouldn't be that many emotions. I don't think I have that many emotions, but many figures do. Well, as a bipolar person, I can say that I have 40 emotions of both sides. Yeah, you've got the head that flips yeah, around. So I have 80 on one side, 80 <laughs> on the other. I don't know what these other emotions are. That's why we've got to put either the the cop head or the space helmet or something on you so you can't see the head in the That's back. That's right. You, you swing it around when... when uh, when I when I swing around, this psychologist who who 
counted all these Lego emotions, uh, has tracked them over time and says that angry faces are the faces that are growing the most since the 90s. So if you want some sign of the coming apocalypse. I have no trouble believing that. It's the fact, I mean, it's really is as role play advances, you want growling bad guys and smirking anti-heroes, right? That's your licensees will demand it. You can't have everybody with the big blank seventies smile. And when Lego is asked about this, they say we stand a hundred percent by the fact that there are more angry Legos than there used to be. This is how kids are going to work through conflict with their little minifigures. This is good for the developing brain. I mean, I believe that to a certain extent, if you, if all your characters have, placid smiles how could you have any plot to your to the story you were you were coming i up guess with? it's just like how you eventually ignore the studs on the hood of your lego car like yeah, right you just ignore the facial expression and you say ah oh, i'm gonna get you no you can't this is my auto garage i'm coming in there you know and yeah you, yeah you, you I, ignore the fact that they're smiling if you think about the games that get played with barbies right their facial expressions are not <laughs> expressing the, the whole breadth of 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 gameplay is there are there more violent Barbie games? <laughs> uh, so there are now eight thousand Lego car- and increasing. Have you seen the crazy minifigures there are now? So I mean, I have a kind of a sad story to tell. Okay, um, I have a lady friend who is on the nerd spectrum, and she had spent many years building up a collection of Lego minifigures that was very comprehensive. And at a certain point, I offered to build a display wall for her in her house where she could display all of her minifigures. And during this same period, she was putting together a whole bunch of boxes to take to Goodwill. Oh, I do not like how this story is shaped. And out. we took her minifigure displays all apart and set them aside while I was building this wall. And on a fateful day, she said, take uh, these boxes to the Goodwill and the minifigure box. It was you, Fredo. Went to the Goodwill. Were you the one that dressed I was the one. And she realized it and called the Goodwill. And of course they were like, yeah, I don't know. We'll look, we'll see if we find them. I'm not sure. And you know, they never found them. Possession is nine-tenths of the law. And um, to my astonishment, I mean, this is to her credit, she bounced back. I mean, like these Lego minifigures were like a huge deal to her, a huge part of her identity for many years, collecting these little people. And um, That is to her credit. And the box went away, and she just said, well, that phase of my life is done. Oh, she didn't. There was no, I'm going to have the fun of replacing all these. No, I don't think, I think it would have been impossible. You know, a lot of them were just unobtainium. No, she just, I think she probably mourned them for some period, but, but, um, I practiced some crazy, you know, like a practice of, of unattachment and nerdism are strange bedfellows. Well, you'd think they'd be. They don't Pol- belong. Yeah, they'd be polar opposites. You're, yeah. you're trying to fill your house with all the possessions that that fill the, you know, all the stuff you either had when you were a kid and lost or wish you'd had when you were a kid. Or Right. They're, all the Lego I'm figures gonna are there. I'm going to protect myself with this wall of figurines. Right. They're there to fill the, the Lego-shaped hole in your heart. Uh, and yet she just 
I mean, we we stopped building the Lego display wall mm. and pivoted to something else. This is like the couple that leaves the nursery empty because of infertility or something. The, yeah, the, the, right. That empty Lego wall just sits there. For sale baby shoes <laughs> never used. In my wife's family, they have a saying that we have tried to imprint on our kids, which I've loved. We cry over people, not things. And they'll say it all the time. We cry over people, not things. Oh. Like somebody backs the car into a fence. We cry over people, not things. That's uh, nice. I like that. It's pretty good. It is not, I have not been able to persuade my Gen Z kids that you don't cry over things. But. Well, that's, that is, that, that is a kind of Mindy mentality. Uh, it's just that I'm not sure that I've ever seen her cry over people either. <laughs> oh no. Like for, for a sociopath, you've got a whole separate rhyme. <laughs> when you mention your collector friend, I mean, this is exactly what minifigures have turned into, um, I guess an offshoot of the Beanie Babies phenomenon of realizing that you can get adults to have a gotta catch them all fascination with children's toys. And that'll be an omnibus at some point. For sure. Uh, you know, Lego realized the more of these they make, and if we can enforce some kind of scarcity mechanism, I guess Magic the Gathering figured that out at the same time. You create a secondary market, you know, people will just buy the buy the item 50 times trying to find the rare one. Lego started targeting adult collectors with minifigures. It's the baseball card thing. It's that's true. You know, that's the precursor of it is is collectible cards. Um and but applying it to toys where you don't know what you get, because Lego would just basically you'd buy a mystery poly bag and which of these uh which of these minifigures will you get? And I don't know if they enforced scarcity. I mean, I know there are some collectors, like there's a C3PO minifigure that's covered in 16 karat gold. Whoa. Um and I don't know if Lego was actually like doing the McDonald's Monopoly thing of this is the easy one to get, this is the intermediate one to get, this is the hard one to get. But, uh, you know, adults would buy these mystery packs because they wanted to get all 16 things. And it would be incredibly weird stuff. It would be Nelson Muntz from The Simpsons. And it would be, um, you know, knowing that they can target adults, you can get kind of a funny comic yeah. thrill from seeing an 80s yuppie in minifigure form right. holding a big cell phone. Or a Mexican mariachi guy in Lego form hol holding little cute maraca shakers and a giant green, fun green sombrero. Uh, there is, uh, you know, a, a grizzled old prospector. For some reason, you know, there's a circus clown. For some reason, there's a line of just Lego minifigures wearing costumes, like a guy who just looks like an ear of corn, huh. an another guy that just looks like a hot dog. Sure. You know, so they've moved away from anything actual humans do, even. Like, these are things that only minifigures do, dresses, giant corn cobs. Um, but got to catch them all. I like, know a couple of corn cobs. I don't even know what that would mean. Well, it's a, that's an old prospector talking. <laughs> my my friend got uh, my friend in question got to the point that her relationship with the people at the stores that sold these things was such that they would sit and try and feel the figures within <gasps> the plastic bags, so you could tell which one you, you were going to get. Which one you were going to get? So the so the the woman that worked at the counter would see her coming and say like. I think that this one is the, you know, they got really good, I think, at telling what was what by feeling through the bag. I mean, it, uh, it breaks my heart that, that that collection was lost just because I heard so many tales about how it was, how it was built. Yeah, you really turned this uh, entry into kind of a bummer. Sorry, man. The, uh, and then, of course, when the Lego movies started to come out in recent years, you know, what, what had started is just kind of a genericized characterless blank slate for kids to play with, you know, the smiley face and the stiff arms. 
those now became characters. Right. You know, and now they're like that for a reason. Now there are famous minifigures that were just minifigures first, you know, Emmett and uh, Wild Style or whatever. You know, you're, all your Lego movie favorites, they uh, you know, they now had personalities grafted onto them and the minifigure has just kind of become a just a visual archetype of how we see humanity in all its variety. From- yeah, like Lego Batman is a different kind of Batman. Yes. And a and a in a, in some ways a better Batman. Like I prefer Lego Batman as a person. Right. Who are you going to hang out with? Lego Batman or or Michael Robert, Keaton Robert Batman. Pattinson or yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Lego Batman and I was surprised when I first met Lego Batman that they would take that much liberty with who Batman was. I was kind of surprised like that Time Warner would let him get away with it. Honestly. Yeah. That Batman would be so, there'd be so much self-reference in bat, so much like self-mockery in Batman. That's, you got to embrace the A-falls, you know, now that you know that your property is so valuable that kids are doing one thing with it and, uh, nerdy men are doing something else with it. And the women crocheting stuff at the cons are doing a third thing with it. You know, the, the property diversifies so that it can be, Many things to many people, you know, um, a Batman in every pot, I guess. I have to confess that when my daughter asks me to play Legos with her, she's living in a very figurine-based Lego ecosystem. She's got the little Lego family, or what are they called? Not Lego family, the, the kind of the Lego friends. Lego friends, right? They have little thin necks there. Which I hate. The, the, yeah. the, it seems condescending that... Uh, you know, now we have Legos for girls. Girls love Legos. Yeah, right. They're all, they come in pink boxes, and they all have um, they run taco stands and have yeah. purple RVs. Right. They, she wants to build Lego architecture in order to play dolls, basically. Build your own dollhouse. And she asks me to come play with her, and I sit down and we start playing, and very quickly, I am building something. That becomes very important to me. And she's like, dad, you know, over here, like I'm running a taco stand. And I'm like, that's nice, dear. But I am building a Rube Goldberg machine that has like, uh, that has MC Escher staircases in it. And I do not want to be bothered. And very often she'll get up and leave the room and go (laughs) do something else. And I'm still there. Legos all spread out doing what I've always done. See, now I just have kid envy because I have sullen teens that won't play Legos with me. So... I'm just holding out for grandkids. Well, maybe now that Dylan's offered to sell me his Legos for 50 bucks, this will bring you closer together as you go home tonight and say, you absolutely will not. I am going to get Dylan to renegotiate that, I think. And that concludes Lego minifigures. Yeah, that's how we say it. <laughs> Lego. Do you, do you still want to be the Jeopardy announcer? Lego minifigures. I got halfway through there thinking halfway through there thinking it was going to say figurines and then I then I had to I had to pull up fast on Figurers. my stick. Lego minifigures entry 711.ex0508 certificate number 50469 in the omnibus. Futurelings, in the unlikely event that social media still exists in your era, Facebook, Twitter and Instagram are archived at, at @omnibus project. Our handles were at Ken Jennings and at John Roderick. I'm also on Instagram at John Roderick. I was, I was early into these spaces. I got all the at John Rodericks. 
There must have to be hundreds of John Rodericks out there just yeah. shaking their fists. I know, they're mad. Although I realized the other day that Hodgman got at Hodgman. And I, and I thought, wait a minute, I could have been at Roderick. And so I went and looked. There is an at Roderick. He tweeted once in 2007. Hey, everybody. And it's just sitting there, dead. I think I joined Twitter four months after him. I feel like I probably tried to get at Roderick and couldn't. I've, I've tried to get at Roderick so many times. I know. You why, don't you, uh, why don't you try to hack it? Get, get, hire some... Uh, Hire some pale nerds to bust into at Roderick and figure out its password, and then you'll control it. He won't complain. He hasn't been on Twitter in yeah, ten he's, years. He's he's gone. But I but I thought about it, and like I don't think I could now pivot to being just Roderick. I think people call you Roderick, though they do. But I feel like I mean, if you got at Jennings, that'd be weird. Yeah, you wouldn't want that, right? You're Ken Jennings. I am at Ken Jennings. And I'm at John Roderick on all of the Twitter and Facebooks. What a segue. Maybe you can be an announcer. Thank you. Uh, you can email us at theomnibusproject at gmail.com. Um, you can send, send us, your, us your old Legos. Send us your Legos. <laughs> send us your Legos for my Lego collection and maybe to try and repopulate my friend's Lego figurine collection, although I, I think she, she's moved on. Uh, but you can send us your Legos at P.O. Box 55744, Shoreline, Washington, 98155. You can join with other future oh, links. Hold on, before you get off the mail. Oh, right. I, uh, just, I just opened this from Chris, who thought of you. It's, oh. it's a map of Alaska. You may have seen it online. Have you seen this joke online? I have. It's a, a, a topographical map of Alaska, and it says, the United States of America. And then down at the bottom, there's a tiny little kind of misshapen yeah the, ins- USA the in inset box. where alaska is is kind of a uh an awful you an awful lower 48 that only has seattle new york san francisco uh one road connecting each of those cities <laughs> pike's peak for some reason yep. and the mississippi <laughs> but here's a, this for, and uh, then the hawaii in the inset has a misspelled mauna loa but what i don't understand about this is maps of the u.s that have alaska in the inset do not have a weird misshapen cookie alaska they have an accurate Alaska. It's just tiny. They often have a cookie Alaska. No. Yeah. I mean, the if it's a jigsaw puzzle, the piece might be goofy. But that's just because you can't get all the arms and islands on a on a puzzle piece. Well, that's the thing. That that's that's what you say. You can't get all the arms and islands, but every one of those arms and islands is important to an Alaskan. I think this misrepresents <laughs> how we treat Alaska in our little map insets. I don't know. A lot of map insets don't even have Alaska. Is that true? Yeah, still. What uh, my daughter was looking at one the other day that didn't have Alaska or Hawaii and she was offended by it. And not even offended by it because she'd been raised properly by me. She's just offended by it as a geographer. Correctly. It should have all 50 states. Yeah. Hooray. There you go. Well, that's a very nice map. I've seen those, but never owned one. So. you go. Above your fireplace. Yeah. Alaska chauvinism. I interrupted you right when you were about to. Well, what I was going to say is if you love the show as much as I know you do, you can interact with other futurelings on uh the Facebook page, on Discord, on Reddit, on TikTok, on all the places where future links can be found. And most importantly for us, I, I, I won't say most importantly, there's nothing more important to us than the future links, but of a different level. What, what of do you importance. like getting better, an email or money? 
It's the same. It's exactly the same. It's the same. I get just as excited about emails and money. Do I like getting tagged in posts on Facebook or do I like getting money? Hmm. Those are the two currencies there are. They're the same. But if you would like to support the show with a financial contribution of 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 45, 50, 55, 60 dollars a month, uh, you can do so at patreon.com slash omnibus project. Your contributions help us immeasurably, although we would try to measure them. They're measured in dollar increments. We actually do measure them because we need to know which fun perks to send you. For example, if you were to give at the $50 level, uh, we would uh, do a show at your suggestion. Ben Walker did and suggested Lego minifigures as a show topic, and I thought that was a fantastic idea. It's a very and, Ken uh, topic. And uh, Ben got his very own episode. Thank you, Ben. Thank you, Ben. So that's patreon.com slash omnibusproject. Listeners, from our vantage point in your distant past, we have no idea how long our civilization survived before it all got accidentally boxed up and sent to Goodwill. We hope and pray that this catastrophe may never come, but if the worst comes soon, this very recording may be our final word. Ben, you did it. You got in just under the wire. Everybody else who paid got ripped off. (laughs) But if Providence allows, we hope to return to you soon with another entry in the Omnibus. Omnibus.